If you want to follow along, I'm going to be reading from Psalm 40 today, Psalm 40, verses 13 through 17. We've been talking a lot on our uh, meditations and also during our prayer time on urgency and desperation in prayer, urgency and desperation in prayer. And we've looked at a lot of examples. Uh, I want us to look at another example today. We want to look at David because in this particular Psalm, he does cry out to the Lord with desperation and urgency. So let me read uh, Psalm 40 verses 13 through 17. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Ken Sarber, a couple of days ago, quoted from this psalm, and uh, he quoted from the uh, first few verses there. And I, I just wanted to revisit this psalm and look at the last few verses of, of this uh, great passage and uh, take a look at this example of a man who poured out his heart before God. And I want to mention just three things quickly as we prepare for prayer this morning. Number one, uh, it's obvious in this psalm, if you read the whole, all the verses, that uh, David is thankful for past deliverances. He's thankful for past deliverances. But the key here is he is not resting on the past. He is not resting on what God has done for him in the past. Now, he's worshiping God for that. He is rejoicing in God. But we see here toward the end of the psalm that he is uh, begging for more deliverance. He's begging for deliverance from his enemies. He's begging for deliverance from the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and his own sin. And I don't think he's doing this in a uh, uh, lethargic way. Uh, do you really see those words in uh, verse 13 and verse 17 where he says, make haste to help me, do not delay? Is he saying that uh, like he would if you're sitting uh, in your recliner and just talking to somebody across the room from you? No, I see him with his face on the ground in agony, crying out to God saying, make haste to help me. Do not delay. And that's a great lesson for us. We have all had past deliverances every day, basically, some great and some small, but we do not rest on that. We need to press on and continue begging God with uh, urgency and desperation. So that's the first thing. Number two, when God does give revival and awakening, and we all believe that he's going to do that at some point, our urgency and desperation must not stop there. It's just the beginning, isn't it? If awakening and revival come and many, many people come into the churches, our prayers, our perseverance, our importunity needs to increase. All The work is just beginning. Uh, we have an influx of people into the church, and there's a lot to be done. I was visiting with a friend of mine a few years back, and he's a great godly man. I, I would not be critical of this man, but he said something about revival that really surprised me. And I 
as we were talking about revival, ask him what he thought of it. And he said, you know, I really don't want revival and awakening. And I asked him why. And he said, because our churches are not big enough to hold all the people that will come <laughs> into the churches. We don't have enough believers now to go out and equip and disciple those new believers who are coming into the church. Well, he was a very practical man, but also a man of faith. And I think here his logic and practical uh, application of things kind of won out over his faith in a God who not only can send the revival, but he can equip us and strengthen us to be able to meet the need for those who are longing to grow in Christ and uh, for those who need a, a place to be. And we need to think outside the box. Maybe if there are more people than we can contain in our, our churches, we don't build bigger churches. Maybe we look at uh, house churches, at least for a while until things build up. And as far as uh, making uh, room for these people, uh, maybe we go into the open air like they did many years ago, especially during revivals or building up to revivals and preach the word and worship outdoors. Now, right now, Outdoors here in Kansas City, it's about 95 degrees, so I wouldn't really relish that, but uh, I guess we did it, you know, toward the evening it might work. But when God gives revival and awakening, let us not tend to rest on that and just kick back and take it easy for a while. That's when the work really begins. That's number two. Number three, waiting on God is not a passive thing. It is an active and intense thing, and you all know that, and we know it. It, waiting on God, that phrase often in the Old Testament is translated as a looking to God alone for what he can do. A looking at God alone or to God alone for with great expectation about what he's going to do in our lives and the lives of the church and uh, in the world. And it's not something that we can work up ourselves. Stephen has referred to this and, and many of you have. It's something that must be given by the Holy Spirit. So we need to cry out to God to give us this urgency and desperation. Nobody would uh, disagree that the times are desperate. I argue that the times have always been desperate in this world because we've always been a fallen and uh, sin-filled world, but we see a lot more of it now. It's a desperate time. And so uh, we need to pray. The Holy Spirit would empower us to pray as we ought to. And uh, just something here is a kind of an aside. Uh, this passion, this urgency looks different in different people. Some of us have a personality where we're, we're prone to tears, we're, we're, we're prone to excitement in our prayers or uh, deep emotion. Others have that same emotion, but it doesn't show in the prayer. So uh, it's within them. It's an inner strength that God is giving them to pray. And so let's give some leeway uh, as we look at things and not think that only those who are emotional are praying with urgency and uh, praying with desperation. And we need to be praying specifically, and we do this every day, victory for the gospel, victory for the gospel, that the gospel would prevail over this wicked world, and great glory to God. That's the longing of every heart here, I know it, is to see God glorified and magnified. May we be able to magnify his name and look at Look and see, people, what God has done for the church and for those who are lost. And then just one little uh, reminder here. Um, we may not see what God is doing right now. We've been praying for many days, many months now. Others around the world have been praying. But we know that he is working. 
Right now, maybe he's just setting things up for this revival and awakening to take place for it to, to, to begin to happen. And it is happening in different parts of the world. So let's not be discouraged if we press on here day after day after day and we really don't see much happening. This is where faith comes into play. We pray because we believe that God is mighty and his will is going to be done. The kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. So let's thank him for that.